Well, good evening, Three Circle Church. Uh, it's good to be with you guys this evening. Uh, my name is Jordan Matheson, and I am the campus pastor at our Thomasville campus all the way in Clark County. And it is my honor tonight to continue our walk through the book of Philippians. Tonight, we're going to get into uh, chapter 3. And so we've kind of just passed kind of the halfway point. Philippians has four chapters total. And today, or excuse me, tonight, we're going to get into chapter 3 of Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And the beginning of this letter deals a lot with confidence. And confidence is something that I think we all want. Uh, but confidence can be a very tricky thing. In fact, confidence reminds me of a sports story that I've always heard and got to see recently. Uh, I'm a big sports guy, if you know me. I love sports stories. I love sports history. And so recently, ESPN did a documentary on Michael Jordan that was known as The Last Dance, a multi-week, uh, multi-episode series. And one of the episodes, they did a deep dive into the 1997 NBA Finals between the Chicago Bulls and the Utah Jazz. And in game six, with 25 seconds left, the score was tied 86 all. The Chicago Bulls were going to run a play to take one shot before the game would end. The, uh, the game plan was simple. They were going to pass the ball to Michael Jordan, the greatest player of all time, until the rest of the team just simply get out of the way. Let Michael do Michael. But Michael knew that he was probably going to be double teamed. And so during the timeout, he looks at Steve Kerr to his left. And he says, if they double me, I'm coming to you. Because the thing is, is that the Utah Jazz did just that in an earlier game. And the Bulls lost. And so the play goes on. They get the ball to Michael Jordan. He's double teamed. Steve Kerr rolls around and he's wide open. Michael passes the ball to Steve. Steve shoots and he scores. You see, the greatest basketball player of all time, had enough confidence in his teammate that with the game on the line, with the NBA Finals on the line, he was willing to pass the ball to him to let him take the shot. And because of that, the Bulls won the 1997 NBA Finals and was the second straight championship that they had won. You see, confidence is something uh, that can be tricky. Confidence can lead us to very reckless acts. It can also lead us to very courageous acts. And in this first 11 verses of chapter 3, Paul is going to tell us where we should put our confidence and where we should not. And so beginning, we're going to look at the first two verses of Philippians chapter 3, where it says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, and look out for those who mutilate the flesh. So beginning with the first uh, two verses, first off, Paul starts off with this word, finally. Now, if Paul were standing on this stage at our Fairhope campus and reading this letter, and you started to pack your bags when he says, finally, you're either going to miss a lot of really good content in chapter 3 and chapter 4, or you're going to be sitting with your purse on your shoulder for a long time, okay? So don't get a head start to lunch just yet. Paul is not using the word finally as a means of tying He's using the word finally as a means to bring attention to those he was writing to. He's kind of calling attention and saying to the rest of you, finally rejoice in the Lord. He's telling them to rejoice in the Lord. Then he says to write these same things to you 
is no trouble for me and is safe for you. Now, the irony of that is Paul is writing this after being beaten, being shamed, being through a lot, and he's sitting in a prison cell. And he says, hey, this is easy for me to write, and it's also safe for you. You see, with this, Paul is encouraging his people that he is writing to to participate in the same thing that he was doing. And this is something that I like to call bottoms up leadership, which is the idea that you never ask someone to do something that you're unwilling to do yourself. You see, Paul is not asking the people he's writing to uh, to sell everything and give up everything to follow Christ, even if it means you be thrown in prison. He's not asking them to do that uh, just for the sake of doing it. He's asking them, Because he's done it and he knows the worth and the value there is in abandoning everything that we may attain Christ. You see, Paul here is practicing bottoms up leadership in that he's never asking someone to do something that he's unwilling to do himself. But then jumping into verse 2, he says, Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, and look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, we may think that those are three different things that can be woven into the same group, but they are actually very distinct. They kind of stand on their own. You see, when it says, look out for the dogs, dogs were not uh, very well thought of in the culture that Paul was writing in. You see, back in those days, dogs were not sitting on the couch and getting head scratches from their owner like some of you are probably sitting with your dog right now watching midweek. That's not really how dogs were viewed back in those days. Dogs were viewed as disgusting and nasty. In fact, Gentiles, who were those who were kind of against the faith and did not follow the faith at all, they were described as dogs at times. He's saying, look out for those dogs. And by dogs, he is referring to the people who are not liked, people who are not of the faith. But he also says, look out for the evildoers. And by evildoers, he's referring to those who claim salvation by works, but fail in their own life and their own sin and their own pride. You see, he's referring to those people who claim to be a follower of Jesus, but their life surpasses and proves something completely opposite. Then he also says to look out for those who mutilate the flesh. And by this, he's saying look out for those people who perform religious acts that think earn them favor before God, when in reality, every other day of the life, they are choosing to live in sin. Beware of these people. Do not be like these people. So here's the thing is we must always be on guard for teaching that is not completely biblical. You see, in the rest of this passage, Paul is going to outline justification by faith in Christ and Christ alone. Not justification by works, but justification by faith and faith in Christ alone, which is the biblical standard. And so as believers, we must always be on guard that the teaching that we are listening to is biblical. That's why I'm thankful for Three Circle Church because one of the things that I know for a fact is we have a very high view of the Word of God. But in this generation and in this time more than ever, we have to be careful what we listen to because we can have access to a lot of content. Some content that may say that your works can earn you God's favor, that your works can lose lose God's love for you, So we must always be on guard to be sure that what we are listening to and what we are consuming with the Word of God is that that is truly biblical. 
And so then jumping into verses three through six, Paul says, for we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness under the law, blameless. You see, in these next verses, Paul is kind of giving us his spiritual resume and his blood flesh resume as well. You see, he is saying, hey, if anyone has a reason to be confident in the work that they do or who they are, it's me. I was circumcised of the eighth day. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. If anyone has the right to put confidence in their flesh, it is me. So here's the thing, misplaced confidence will lead to misaligned actions. Paul is urging us and warning us, hey, be very careful where you place your confidence. Don't place it in your flesh. Don't place it in what you do. If anyone can, it's me. If anyone can, it's what I've done. If it's because of what anyone can do, I can do more. And here's the reality of it that I, I kind of wrestle with as I read this, is that someone is always going to be better or smarter than you. You see, someone's always going to be better than you. Someone's always going to have more Bible knowledge, attend a church longer, give more, serve more. Someone's always going to be better than you. And so for me, I want to put my confidence and my trust in something that is constant. And what's constant is that of Christ. I don't want to put my confidence in something that is constantly changing. I don't want to put my confidence in my uh, ability to love Christ in, in what I see other people doing because that's constantly changing. I want to put my confidence in Christ. And that's exactly what Paul is encouraging us to do. He goes on in verses 7 and 8. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You see, church, tonight, Paul goes on to say, whatever gain I had, and let me just tell you, if you know any history about Paul, he had quite a bit of gain and he abandoned it all. Whatever gain I had, I count it as loss. He doesn't say I count it as something I need to do less of, something that I need to put to the side. He says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. But he's not saying, hey, we're just going to be left bankrupt and hoping that something happens. No. He says that we counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, encouraging us again, he says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You see, Paul is encouraging us in this moment, not just to lay everything down and to be bankrupt for no reason. He's wanting us to lay everything down because there is something greater. There's something more valuable that we can attain in our life. And that is putting our confidence 
in Christ and choosing to put our faith into following Jesus Christ. But he goes on to say, I count all things of loss. I count them as rubbish. I love that word rubbish. But I think that our English word for rubbish is very gentle for what the Greek word of rubbish meant, the Greek translated word of rubbish. But just think of it that I count all of the things that I lost, I count them as trash. I count them as, as filthy rags, worthless. So Paul, looking at the life that he gave up, he looks at everything that he lost for the sake of following Christ and he says, it's not even worth it. It's trash. It's filthy rags. And I'm just being honest with you. This is very difficult to wrestle with because if God were to say, hey, Jordan, I want you to pack up everything and I want you to go overseas into some of the hardest places to live and I want you to take my gospel forward. I mean, if God really laid that on my heart, I would go because I trust him and I love him. But I'm like, man, God, you really want me to leave all of these things? But Paul did. In fact, he looked at all of the things that he left and he says, they're rubbish, they're trash. In order that I may gain Christ. You see, church, true gain doesn't come from looking sideways. It comes from looking up. You see, Paul is gaining something that is far beyond any promotion or any materialistic gain that we could get. Paul is gaining something that surpasses anything else on this earth that we could gain. And that is faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. So church, true gain doesn't come from looking sideways. It comes from looking up. It comes from looking to Jesus. And so in the final three verses, verses 9 through 11, Paul kind of gets a little bit more in depth and gets a little bit theological with us on three important things that are a part of our faith. In verses 9 through 11, it says, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You see, in these final three verses, Paul is laying out in each verse a different pillar of our faith that we would say. In verse 9, he is laying out the idea of justification. And what that simply means is that we cannot be made right before God by actions on our own. We can only be made right before God because of the actions of Christ and what he did through his death and his resurrection. Verse 9 focuses completely on justification. Verse 10 focuses on sanctification. And this is the idea of daily in process being made more into the image of Jesus. Choosing to lean into our relationship and our walk with him and following of him. And choosing more and more to be like him. Even if it means being like him in his sufferings and in his death. And then finally in verse 11 it's the idea of glorification where he says that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So church tonight, as we wrap up our time together, where is your confidence placed? Is your confidence in your flesh, in your spiritual resume, in your flesh resume? 
Is your confidence in what you think you have done for God? Or is your confidence all in what Jesus has done for you? My hope is, is that for every one of you watching this video, that you can say in assurance that I am completely confident in what Christ has done for me in my place and my trust is fully with him. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that we can find in it. And my prayer is for every one of us watching this video that we can say that our confidence is completely in you. And if there's just one person watching this video tonight, God, who sits here and says that I don't have a relationship with you, that my confidence is in my flesh, I've been living against your will, that tonight would be the night that they say, I place my faith and trust entirely in you, Jesus. And I know that I cannot be justified by works of my own, but that I can only be justified by your death and by your resurrection and me placing my faith and trust in you for that. God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would continue to shape us and mold us into your image daily, that we may make much of you, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.